This is HBR News number 270. Parents not allowed to monitor online schooling. Joss Whedon, the abuser. Where we reflect on the stories of the week and give it the badger treatment. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Honey Badger Radio. I hope you guys are doing well this week and that you are laughing at all of this absurdity so that you are not consumed by it. I'm your host, Brian, and I'm joined by, as always, my austere patriarchs and our handmaiden, Hannah and the two Mikes, Mike J and Dr. Adam McCam, that is. By the way, I should probably change that austere patriarchs line. It seems a little dead now. I don't think anyone gets the reference anymore. We have a great show lined up for you guys today, so please be sure to continue the conversations both in the chat as well as the comments section. On this week's HBR News Show, we have more Garden Tools Mad of the Week. This week, we're talking about Germany's plans to give equal rights to lesbian couples that want to be mothers that are co-parenting while also not doing the same thing for men. Two grown women who assaulted a seven-year-old boy for wearing a hat. The Tennessee mom who claims that her child's school is making her sign a waiver so, so as to ensure that she won't listen in on his online classes. And uh, Joss Whedon uh, might be accused of abusive behavior on set and more. So stick around. It's going to be a good time. And be sure to join us afterwards for the patron-only after show, or patron-only show, as Allison likes to call it. I have this opinion uh, piece, because opinion pieces are always great for patron-only shows. And it's from the metro.co.uk, entitled, Young Men Are Turning On Feminism. Like, not turning feminism on, like stimulating it, but they're turning against it. Young men are turning on feminism. It's what the far right wants. And it's not at all what feminists did to young men. The far right has been often been a breeding ground for toxic masculinity, but there is a new active and dangerous anti-women ideology slowly seeping into the movement. So we will see what Rosie Carter has to say about this dangerous new trend that she's noticed amongst men that like doing things like thinking for themselves and being masculine and and uh being independent and not depending on others for help or, and... or suddenly losing faith in susan b anthony for some reason oh yes <laughs> or that so if you guys want to join us on that show and participate either as a panelist or an audience member um, or just a passive lurker be sure to consider becoming a badger yourself by going to feedthebadger.com and starting up a monthly subscription five dollars will get you into the discord and you'll be able to access tons of bonus content not just the patron only shows that i host here but also work in progress uh pre-recorded sort of scripted shows that allison does you'll get to watch rage things before they go live uh there's game rooms and all kinds of other stuff so please consider doing that and finally if you don't want to wake up one morning uh to find yourself unable to find well let me see if i can word this another way if you don't want to wake up one morning finding yourself unable to find our content because YouTube finally dropped the axe on our channels, please go to badgerfeed.com. That's badgerfeed.com. That's where all of the content, podcasts, videos, and other stuff that I would not imagine watching, but maybe you guys would, lives. So that's badgerfeed.com. Now, um, I think that because some of these stories are pretty dense, 
Um, there is a we have five stories and a possible bonus one at that'll be the sixth, which is about Joss Whedon. If we get to that one, we will. Otherwise, we will mainly talk about the other five because they're more most of them are more important um, and, and a little bit more relevant. I don't know if Joss Whedon's been relevant since 2014, but uh, it, it could be you know a good topic to get to if we get to it and reset the clock story over yeah basically it's reset the clock story over except that he it's it's a black man complaining so yeah um <laughs> well we'll uh we'll get into that one possibly so let's go ahead and take a look at our first story this takes place in germany it's it is good to get some international news we do have a couple of news stories that are not on the u.s and i'm sure that will please many of our other people in our audience so in germany justice minister christine lambrecht i hope i'm not butchering that is looking to submit a parentage law to allow a baby born into a lesbian family to not need an adoption process by the lesbian co-mother so like if you have a biological mother and she has a child um and her partner is a another woman the other woman will not have to uh go through the adoption process while lambrecht said the focus must be on the child's well-being including those among adults in same-sex relationships this will not be the case for children in a two-father family so the reason why this is relevant is mainly because it's got nothing to do with lesbians but if you're going to do this for women you probably should do it for men but they don't Quote, the law must respond to those to these diverse forms of family life, she said. Lambrecht has also said that the second man alongside a biological father would still have to apply to adopt the child via German family court procedures. Germany's civil law code states, quote, the mother of a child is the woman who gave birth to it, end quote. I guess the father doesn't have a definition. Quote, we want to adhere to the principle that the first parental place is reserved for the biological mother who gave birth to the child. Her presence is a basic requirement. Therefore, for male couples, the only option left is still adoption, end quote, said Lambrecht. Free Democrat lawmaker Katrine helling I again, weird names, I'm sorry, has criticized Lambrecht for, quote, bowing to feminists, end quote, and diluting an expert panel's recommendations recommendations drafted since last year so equal rights but not really yeah there's nothing equal about uh about this there wouldn't have been anything equal about this even if they did it for both sexes because what they're doing is saying a biological parent's rights are are subjugated to the to the rights of an a would-be adoptive parent uh, in in that instance, and if they did that with both sexes, it would still be wrong. Um, and I had actually, um, in the course of a pro life debate, but uh, still pretty interesting talk, um, a a tweet exchange with a bunch of uh, adults who were adoptees, infant adoptees, from women who were um, basically forced to. Uh, put their kids up for adoption because they were they were unwed mothers back during the like 50s there were these homes that girls would be sent to and their babies were just taken away from them um mm -hmm. they, the fathers weren't even told and uh this practice i don't know when this practice ended but it did end um it's it's illegal to do that now uh but uh they resented it very deeply they resented having their family history taken away from them 
And I can understand that completely. Now, a lot of them felt um, they were so bitter about it that they felt that um, it would have been better for them to have been aborted. Now, I've talked to other adoptees that had different opinions on that and, and were very pro-life and were glad that somebody loved them. Um, but they were in different situations than that where it wasn't a forced adoption. It was um, a, a situation where, you know, the mother had gone for open adoption and the father had agreed and they'd both been there and that kind of thing. And they were just too young to, to do right by their kids. Uh, so they did the best they could. Um, but in this situation, when you take away somebody's family history through adoption, you're doing damage. You know, and and when they put a child in this situation, where the uh, the the lesbian stepmother is permitted to to adopt, they're going to um, forbid this child to go looking for the father. And if they did that with gay couples, they would do the same thing. It would be closed adoption. It's not an open adoption. Um, it's an automatic thing for them. And that's that's the wrong thing to do to the father, and it's the wrong thing to do to the child. And if they just expanded it to both sexes, it would be the wrong thing to do to the other parent, regardless of sex, and the wrong thing to do to the child. Um, they really should have a situation where it's it's always uh, got to be done through the courts, and it's always got to be done um, with the full knowledge and consent of the biological parent or... The court stays out of it, and and there is no legal designation. They they shouldn't have um, they shouldn't have a situation where it's automatic, and they shouldn't have a situation where it's one sex and not the other. Absolutely, yeah. Because um, could and I don't know because you know maybe if someone uh, who's watching lives in Germany or or knows about this German law or ger knows about German family law in general or custody in general, if if let's say that you have um, a custody battle or a divorce and there is a child involved, a baby, and the mother um, decided that she is now a lesbian or she's going to start a relationship with a woman after, after the divorce, um, would the fact that she is going to be starting a relationship with a woman, and this is just a hypothetical, I don't know what the answer to this is, um, give her a better chance of winning custody of the child based on this new law? Would that give her an edge in the courts, even if she wasn't, if she just said that she was? Um, I wonder about that because it seems to me that they're in an effort to, to address what they're calling inequality uh, with regards to non, I guess you could say, non atypical nuclear family arrangements such as two women um could is it not possible that the courts could overcompensate and a woman could get custody of a child by saying oh i'm in a les this is my uh lesbian lover and um she's a great mother as well and we could raise this child i i just just something i just thought of it just popped into my head well, or another thing that could happen is uh sperm jacking by lesbians you know pretend to oh, be straight yeah yourself a kid that you can you know deny the father custody of because you're with a lesbian partner yeah that's true that is like there's all kinds do. of things that could go wrong with this um and and again the the worst damage you know it's 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 damaging to the relationship between the child and father so it hurts the father 
I mean, it, it takes a father away from the child, and it takes family history away from the child. Jojo. Sorry, he's got a squeaky toy. Like, I think that I think it should be um, illegal for the government to take any action that denies a child uh, access to their family history. In, in every country. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, this is a this is kind of nuts. Uh, I, I I don't understand what the logic, but like you said, I don't think that that people should be exempt from having to participate in an adoption process because we don't know. And this is the thing about lesbians, by the way. Um, they have like the highest rates of domestic violence. They have the highest rates of uh, they, they probably we don't know. But they they may even be one of the factors that sort of uh, creates that statistic that feminists often cite when they say, oh, you know, um, women are more likely to die as a result of interpersonal violence in, in domestic situations. But if if uh, lesbian couples are the most violent to each other, and I'm not saying all of them, but I'm saying that in the cases when domestic violence is an issue, it's more common in lesbian relationships than heterosexual or homosexual relationships um, between men, that is. And so would that not also put the child at risk of being a part, whether they are personally affected or they're just experiencing firsthand um, domestic violence? So this could be tough on the child in the long run as well. Yeah, there's definitely a danger that they're going to witness it at the very least. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and actually, some of the most violently abusive parents out there have been lesbians. And there's, there's a couple of um, discussions on this that, that you can actually look up on YouTube. Uh, there's, there's one lesbian couple that, that beat their child to death and ended up in court. And when they were sentenced, they threw screaming temper tantrums like children in the courtroom. It yeah. was bizarre to watch, um, but they but they beat the child to death. And uh, there, there was, you know, like you can't uh, criticize as easily a, a situation where where lesbian parents are being abusive because you risk being accused of being homophobic. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're just saying that because they're lesbians. It's like, no, I'm saying it because the child is covered in bruises and said his mommies did it, you know, or said her mommies did it. Um, but they, yeah, the, it, it's, it's definitely a risk. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, does anybody else have any thoughts on this story before we move on to the next that sort, of, that sort of thing should be just as bad as pedophilia, by the way, like punching the shit out of a child should be equally as bad as, I don't know, well, absolutely. Let's, not go in, let's not go into details, but because it doesn't have a, a stigmatized word attached to it, it's sort of. Nothing. It, it's not used as a thought terminating cliche quite as often as yeah as the, as, as the p bomb as the p word. Speaking <laughs> of assaulting right. a child, yeah, all right. Well, yeah, we're going to talk about assaulting children in just a moment. Uh, by the way, if you guys haven't seen it, um, have you have you guys seen Mouthy Buddha series on? Uh, well, I would I don't want to say PizzaGate, but he's been making videos about uh, pedophiles and um, exposing them and stuff. It, they're pretty amazing. Check out Mouthy Buddha's just got good videos because he's really great at editing. But um, if you haven't checked him out, it's Mouthy Buddha. He actually just made, and the, the the reason why I bring it up is that you were just talking about Mike how 
um, you would see violence against children should be on the same level as sexual abuse of children. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think that they're, um, they should be seen the same way and, and we certainly don't. But what's interesting is that the pedophiles that Malfi Buddha has been making videos about, they do do both. There is signs, there's evidence that shows that they're, they're not just interested in sex with children, but they're also interested in performing violence against children. And they conflate the two. It's really twisted. Anyway, it took me to a dark place. I was disturbed by the end of the series, but not entirely surprised. Uh, could be another thing that Alex Jones was right about. That's all I can say about that. Yeah, but, that's why I'm not even going to watch the trailer to that uh, <laughs> no. Netflix thing now that I... I <laughs> oh, is it the I pedophile or something like that? Is that the one? No, the cuties thing. The, oh, oh yeah, yeah, God, no. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like I was happy to watch Two Girls, One Cup twice, but I'm not oh. even watching the trailer to that shit. Oh, man. Yeah, it's... um. Oh, I, I watched it. The Cuties trailer is disturbing. Uh, I think all the hate it got is well-deserved. Uh, also, yes, Mouthy Buddha is still around. He still makes videos. Sometimes they're about, like, UFOs, but the stuff about Pedogate or Pizzagate or whatever you want to call it, that's some of his best work. So I would check it out. Anyway, um, so if you guys have any thoughts on this story, please leave it in the description or comments. I'm sorry, in the comments section. Leave us a comment about this. Let us know what you guys think about this. Are you? Do you know any Germans? Are you German? Do you know about this law? Do you know any, any additional info that you think that uh, we should know that you'd like to share? Please let us know. So anyhow, let's move on to the next story. Speaking of child abuse, Mike J, I'm going to hand it to you. So a video has surfaced of a mother and her seven-year-old son being assaulted and robbed by apparent supporters of Joe Biden in what can only be called a politically motivated attack. The attack occurred outside the Democratic National Convention in Wilmington, North Carolina. The video shows the two Biden supporters physically accosting the two as they proceed to rip up their signs and steal the boys Make America Great Again hats. The two Biden supporters continued to berate the mother and son before a male friend of the mother and son becomes involved. The Biden supporters physically attack him. They then throw the boy's MAGA hat over a fence into a construction zone, and then one of them physically assaults the mother as the video ends. Jeez. Two days later, the Biden supporters were identified and arrested. Olivia Winslow, age 21, and then Cameron Amy, also age 21, were arrested and charged with, the connection, with connection to the incident on August 20th. Amy and Winslow are both facing the same charges, which are first-degree robbery, second-degree conspiracy, endangering the welfare of a child, and two counts of offensive touching. Offensive touching? I'm not 100% sure what that is. <laughs> probably. It sounds like not assault, though. Yeah. Almost, almost assault. And yeah. they probably didn't want to charge him with assault because they were charging him with so many other things, but they should have. This is a situation that, <clears throat> like, obviously what, what, the, what the girls did was, was condemnable and, and should be condemned. I mean, they attacked a kid for crying out loud. Who, who attacks a child? You know, what's wrong with them? 
Um, on the other hand, I, you know, I, I have to say the same thing to these, uh, this situation that I would say to the situation of parents taking their children to Black Lives Matter protests and stuff. What the hell are you thinking? Like, you already know these people are violent. You already know violence is going to happen toward protesters in these situations. Why are you taking a child into this situation? That was stupid. Um, and and now that's where it's, things nobody was asking for it. But the fact of the matter is, this was a dumb idea to take the child here. This is this is a Democrat convention. Okay. Uh, the Democrat the Democrats have some fans uh, that that are that are stupid, right? And and obviously it's a risk that's all i'm saying go ahead mike Jay. by the way I, I just got one thing wrong it was wilmington delaware not wilmington uh north carolina oh it, okay. It, okay and um and the thing is they weren't i'm i'm not 100 certain they were actually at the convention at the time of this because Again, this is just from her statement. Um, yeah, the the mother who I guess yeah. uh, has been named as Abby, and her son Riley. Did you uh, see the says, video? Yes. Yeah, they had protest yes, signs did. and everything. They did, but here's the thing. Here's what she says: We were waiting for a table at a restaurant to eat dinner. Ah. We had just left a peaceful protest against Biden. They weren't at the protest. So they were actually followed to the restaurant. It would seem either that or they were at the restaurant and these girls happened upon them because like you're, you're just out in public holding Possibly, signs yeah. and the boy still had their sign. He was still yeah. wearing the hat. Yeah. Right, see, I, right. I still say this was like they clearly they still took their child to this protest. There's a and yeah, sure, that's, that's really that's a dumb idea. But, um, you know, and I, looking back, part of part of my opinion on this comes from being. Like, I wasn't allowed to go with my grandparents to pro-life protests until I was a teenager. And, you know, I was old enough that I had been in fights and I had defended myself. And I also knew how to avoid fights whenever possible and stuff like that. And this was clear back in the 80s where it was, uh, you know, usually you just had a big crowd of people. And, and they would walk from one location to another with signs or stand outside of a location with signs. And, and uh, you know, you didn't get a lot of news coverage because they didn't want to show how many people were there. But this one time, we had counter-protesters. Um, and, and I got pig shit thrown in my face. And my grandparents did not take me to another protest until I was an adult. Uh, by which time I really wasn't as involved with the movement anymore. But um, that was, they made that decision because like, well, if, if these are going to get violent, you don't take an underage person with you. You know, and I did other things. Um, I did things that were safer, but I think that decision was wise. You don't subject a child to an environment that's, that's, you, you know, there's a known risk of, of criminal violence against the people participating like that. Um, you have to have a pretty darn good reason, you know, for, for something like that. Like it, you can't help it if it's happening in your neighborhood and you can't afford to move out and your child has to go to school and stuff like that. But to go to a protest like that, it's just, you know, I, and I'm not saying that the, that they were asking for it or that it justifies the actions of the people who were violent or anything like that. Um, I would, I would say the same thing about don't take your child inside the animal cages at the zoo. 
right? Because the, the animals are going to behave like animals, even if your child is a child. And the assholes are going to behave like assholes, even if your child is a child, because there's something wrong with them. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to kind of figure out when this shift happened. Like, when what shit happened? Uh, protest to me back in the day. You go to a place, you hold up a bunch of signs, the police corral you into a little area, you do that for a couple of hours, and you leave. Ask it's a protest. Kent, Ohio. Are we talking Kent State? Yeah. Um, the, um, it, the Kent State University protest that is famous was not the only protest that took place or the only violent protest that took place in that community. Uh, my dad has told me about this numerous times because that's when they were growing up. And uh, it was it was kind of a, a regular occurrence for there to be violence in that area. And it was hippie protests. And and at that time, like we hear all about the shootings and uh, how it was just students protesting and how the the uh, National Guard shot at them for no reason. None of that's true. There was a riot all night in the downtown area. They broke windows. They set fires. They did everything that the uh, the protesters in the big cities are doing now. And it was so bad um, that in in another community uh, in uh, the other side of Ohio, actually, where uh, there was a water balloon fight on on Bluffton University campus. Um, the one of the local police officers dramatically overreacted. It was an annual water balloon fight. They did this every year. Uh, and it was the, like the, the guys from one of the dorms would start it. And pretty soon it would be a campus wide water balloon fight it was a bonding thing. Small university. Uh, it was Bluffton College back then. But in any case, um, they thought that was a riot. And uh, they called other departments. They chased the kids around through the woods and all kinds. And then the news reports um, basically, you know, said there were hundreds of kids rioting on this campus, like more kids than actually went to that school. But they were all Bluffton University students or Bluffton College students. And it, it was because they were so used to this happening at Kent that they thought, well, you know, um, this this must be the same thing. And and they the cop, you know, didn't he he was new. He didn't he was kind of a Barney Fife kind of guy. Uh, didn't didn't recognize the difference, and so the news media didn't recognize the difference. But this this kind of protesting, this this kind of behavior isn't isn't new. It's just more. Um, there was a good good sized break from it, and it's more petty. You know, there there were, and it's more um, more widely reported, and it's more I think organized, and it's more um, funded. Where they're shipping people, uh, paying people to come from all over the country to some location to do it, whereas with with the hippie generation, they hitched rides, they rode with other people, other hippies, they organized themselves. Um, there's there's wealthy people helping to organize the current situation, and where the hippie generation was a counterculture that. Uh, they were they were influenced by university professors, but they were also influenced more um, among themselves 
And a lot of what they they believed in was from deciding what things that they read that they were going to believe. The generation that's doing it now has been guided through this from elementary school by by teachers uh, that are that are using a curriculum that comes from not necessarily Marxist, but collectivists that are that are Marxist influenced um, cultural Marxism, whatever you want to call it within uh, the the national education association so there's there's differences and and there's differences in how it's heated and why it's heated but the tendency like rioting uh protests have have been around forever sure um mike do you have anything else you wanted to add i was just saying i maybe this period never existed but I would like to get back to a time that we could, you could just have a protest that is a protest that remains a protest and ends as a protest. I without think, without ending with okay, and we had to burn down half the town. Right. I mean, I think that there will be cases where sometimes things would get out of hand, um, but I do believe that there there are. I would say that. There was definitely a time where most protests were just that, um, whether they were strikes against a company for, you know, treating people poorly or they were uh, intactivists. Like, I've never heard of any stories of intactivists getting into, like, you know, arson and, and, and assault and stuff. Um, I think that in this particular time, yes, tensions are extremely high, um, in particular, these these um, these young women are i would uh, i would argue they've probably been radicalized like by their education system by the media by the way in which information is put out they saw a child wearing a hat that just made that just made them see red no pun intended and they acted out and the mother uh who was there with her child she may not have realized that that was possible maybe she didn't think that people were going to get that violent maybe she wasn't informed the the fact is um if we're looking at this from a pragmatic perspective, if we're being pragmatic and you wanted to go to a rally or a protest or a counter protest or whatever, and you had no plans on being violent and you didn't think there was going to be violence there and you decided I'm going to bring my son, I want to show him, you know, um, uh, you were thinking about bringing your child, right? Because you wanted to. I don't know, get them involved in the process. Maybe you, you think that they, they, could, they could be little patriots or whatever. Pragmatically speaking, if you have the information available to you that this could turn violent or you could have an encounter, it is probably wisest to leave your son at home. Um, I can see but, where she might have thought, you know, uh, they're, they're violent in, in those, those uh, you know, in, in those, those, videos, in those big cities, probably, but not here, right, not in this area, because... Right. But yeah, after, after and maybe they wouldn't and be for the large part, she would be correct. I don't yeah. think anything happened at that particular. Yeah, protest. it happened. It happened at the it happened while they after. were just walking around, while you know, waiting to get to a seat of the restaurant where you have where a they were reasonable more, uh, expectation of safety. Yeah, where they were more uh, away from the protest. But yeah, uh, so but like on the other hand, um. A woman should be able to bring her child to a rally or something. I mean, I just like these things are are supposed to be 
like family events, right? The same so, way you should be able to, you know, wait for a table at a restaurant without expecting to get cold cocked because you wore the wrong piece of clothing. Exactly. And uh, I think that that is another side to this because, you know, what, what's happening right now, and this has been going on since 2016, like there's basically articles of clothing that you're not allowed to wear because mm-hmm. if, some, yep. if you're wearing a hat and you're in public, you have to fear that someone is going to be violent to you. And the fact is, people should not have to have that, uh, you know, should not have to take that into consideration. We should not even entertain the idea that you cannot dress however you like. That includes wearing a red hat with a, with a slogan on it um, because you're worried that someone is going to try to, you know, cave your face in over it that sort of thing should not happen we, and we also should, we shouldn't should even be repercussions the there should always be repercussions yeah. when it does nobody's saying that Absolutely. there shouldn't be repercussions when it does happen no, um, no, no. but what i'm saying is you should always have to you should always be aware of the risks in in something that you're yeah. going to do and take reasonable precautions right you know, nobody should ever pragmatic. cross the center line and hit your car head on but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't bother with your seatbelt because you shouldn't have to think about that Right. Uh, obviously, obviously. Um, so, yeah, the, uh, basically, there's there there are two ways of looking at it. there's the pragmatic. I don't want my child to get hurt, you know, perspective, which I think should be considered. And then there's the but why should I, you know, like what what's I shouldn't be in this situation where I'm even considering like, oh, should I go to this rally or should I wear this hat or should I have my kid wear this hat or whatever? Because yeah. for all we know, the seven-year-old wanted to wear it, you know? Well, yeah, oh, he sure sounded he extremely, did. like, in the video, you can hear him. He is adamant yeah. about it. Yeah, he starts crying at the end. Yeah. So, um, That's the way my dad was when he was a kid. He was very, very into politics when he was a kid. Um, so he, uh, and he's been into politics as far as a, an awareness and a commentator all of his life because of that. So this kid may, mm-hmm. you know, this kid may be very adamantly in, interested in, in political well, activity and guarantee for, for they've the rest made of his a life. conservative for life now yeah they just trained yeah, him maybe <laughs> anyway um i also think that there is uh something to be said about the uh i think a a, a certain level of female entitlement to be able to attack other women and also little boys more importantly in the street because you don't like them or whatever. And the, the self-righteousness, you can see it in the video that they have. Uh, I also think that that is an additional factor on top of that. I think there's a reason why it wasn't uh, even like soy boys attacking this woman and that they maybe they didn't get attacked at a rally for that reason. Well, but, no, they, they, they'd show up and be like, oh, God, which women do we side with? Yeah, exactly. Well, there's yeah. two of them there, but that one's crying. But, but that one has a son. But, uh, oh, God. Yeah, where exactly. does the stack fall? I don't know. You, you can never uh, get in the middle of a fight between privileged people. <laughs> that's, that's why when when gays go against Muslims or blacks go against women, you can't you can't get in there unless you're one of them. <laughs> well, in particular, yeah, you really don't want to get into a fight between women because it's my my brother did this when we were growing up. Actually, I, I guess we were pretty close to. Uh, he was, yeah, he was old enough to be in a bar, so he had to be a, an adult when it happened. Uh, but there was one girl at, at that bar. One, one. It's hard to call violent women women because 
it's so childish when they do it. But anyway, she had the other the other gal on the floor and was just pounding the shit out of her. The other gal was barely conscious. And, uh, you know, my, my brother just stood over her and, and took the beating, basically, uh, until the other girl stopped because she wasn't hitting the person she wanted to be hitting anymore. But when the the gal that was the victim, basically, uh, discovered that there was a guy standing over her on the floor, she maced him. She panicked and maced him right in the face. And um, that was that was his reward for defending her. And she apologized later. But. Gals don't look around to see what's going on before they strike in a fight. They just lash out in every direction, especially if they're not really good at fighting uh, and, and, and they're getting their ass kicked. They'll hit anything that comes near them at that point with whatever they can. And, uh, and that's basically what happened to them. You sort of need to stay out of, stay out of chick fights. Mm-hmm. Well, and, they, and yeah, when women fight, they don't, they don't hold back. They go for eyes, fucking all the vulnerable spots. They don't give a shit. All right, so um, we're going to move on to the next story. So before we do, I'm going to ask you guys to give us a comment. What do you guys think about this? Have you seen the video? It's in the link to the original story, so you can watch the video yourself and let us know what you think. I'm going to read your super chats, and then we'll move on. You can't watch it in story. Europe, by the way. I, uh, oh, oh man, really? I mean, that was the last story. Hang on. Are we on the second story? or the? This is the second story that we're doing right now, but it should be, it's on, the video's on Twitter. Oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm try, trying to load it up. It says uh, the European the economic page. area is. Oh, that's um, weird. Yeah, the, there's a general data protection regulation. It's not the EU, but it includes the EU. It's the EEA. <laughs> <laughs> so you might not be able to watch it in Europe or the All right. yeah. yeah, if you you might not be able to find it through this link, but you can probably look it up online. Somebody hopefully made it available. I'm not really sure it's, how that it's works. It's gone pretty viral at this point. Yeah, it's pretty viral. So let us know what you guys think about this in the comments. Uh move on and I'll look at your super chats and then we'll go on to the next story. So Meredith Glassberg is $5 and says, every time we think about default custody rights, we never seem to factor in how the system contributes to parental alienation. Oh, no, it absolutely does. Um, we actually, I would say we talk about that frequently, but only as it relates to news stories that might allow that to come up in this particular show. But on other shows, we do talk about it. I think that a lot of normies don't, but I've actually had on, on the show people who work in uh, I would say work against parental alienation. There's a, just right off the top of my head, Amanda Silars, who does this out of uh, Australia. She works for the Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Mo Foundation. I think that Justin Trottier of Cafe does some work with this as well as NCFM. But yeah, you're right. It is something that I think a lot of people forget. Darth Sonic 413 gives us $9.99 and says Mahler and the EFAP crew just did a 30-hour stream to celebrate their 100th episode. Will the Badgers do anything like that for any upcoming milestone? No. We can't. Longer answer. No. <laughs> can you say no for 30 hours? And 30 hours is just. I can barely dude. talk for 30 seconds, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know anyone that wants to watch that. And I mean, I don't watch EFAP. I like Mahler, but EFAP videos, even That's the short just... ones, they're just, come on. If I had to hazard a guess, it, it sounds like they have a studio 
where people can come and go from the studio and one person wouldn't have to do all of no of no it's, it's just a it's like a running discord, discord call i think it's just yeah it's none just of these like people are in person but i think you know there's a bit of the same principle there yeah, but I mean, somebody would have to, if they're broadcasting it, somebody would have to yeah. run the broadcast. Yeah, I think that's, so they I think that's, have... that's smaller than yeah. no, his channel, that, right? Smaller. Yeah, it is. It's the smaller. He he basically hosts the call. He probably like leaves it running, but like takes a nap. I don't know. I, I don't. He is the long man. He might be able to just stay up. Maybe he doesn't sleep. I don't know. I don't know. But. I don't see. Look, I don't. Well, I used to be able to do that when I was uh, twenty. <laughs> if you guys think that that's even something that you would like, even want to see, um, I would say vote Y for yes. I'd like to see a thirty-hour stream with the Badgers. Not, I'm not saying that we're going to do it because we're not. I'm just curious about who actually would even want to watch that, um, or N for no. And uh, I'll I'll see what you guys say. I think we've almost managed six hours. We occasionally do some kind of long night fundraising bonanza type thing. And it, yeah. get, it gets up to five or six hours sometimes. Yeah, if we were going to have long- to do something like a super long stream, what I would say is we would have to fundraise for us to be present in the Badger Cave where it could be hosted, where hosts could work in shifts and, and people could, yeah. you know, we I'd could rotate. Down. That would no, that would yeah. be feasible, and and we could do we something get like, like a that. sleeping room set up, get a couple of cots going. Well, yeah, or you know something along Through those a lines. Crap ton of coffee. No, I I'd be down for the coffee. That's that's for sure. But I mean, we would we would have to do something. And I would say that would have to be a you know the Badgers have been been on the air for ten years kind of thing, which would be um in in a in a couple of years from now, uh twenty twenty three, because I yeah. believe we started in in twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen. I didn't get involved till like 2014, but yeah. Um, and again, no way 30 hours is going to be possible, but that could go for at least double digits. Yeah, I think the longest stream we've done is about six. And that's, I, I regret that because I did that. <laughs> I, did a, I did a nerd cast when you see the nerd cast. I did one on the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe and I had Mundane Matt on. And we talked about it for, and you know, it, it wasn't even that many films in at that point. <laughs> that was a while ago, but no, did not, did not really enjoy. I was pretty exhausted. You um, know, if we had Karen on, we probably could go thirty hours. Just, just having Karen oh, on yeah. sometimes makes HBR talk go loop. four hours. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm not a fan of this idea, but um, there you go. I'm asking you guys. Richard, maybe if we can do it, we can work something out. It's possible. I just don't know. I, like who? No, nobody. Who watches EFAP for that long, really? Okay. I mean, they've, they've, they've got an audience. They're doing something right. I know. Truckers, they do have an it's audience. got to be truckers. Uh, yeah. I, can, I, I can listen to four-hour podcasts when I'm going for a walk. Yeah. Guys, so who, live, yeah. guys, guys who live in lighthouses. <laughs> Lighthouse operators and truckers. and Longshoremen. At- astronauts <laughs> yeah longshoremen yeah um people have got nothing to do for like a really long time night watchmen all right anyway could be guys uh, who live in lit houses yes uh mountain men uh, that have internet connections <laughs> richard richard beer gives us another 4.99 uh and says keep this story in the public view so these ladies don't just get probation and expunged record what an expunge records afterwards i think you meant to say 
So yeah, uh, we definitely. I think people are going to be following up with this story um, and keeping this viral for at least a little while. It is timely, to put it mildly. Darth Sonic four ninety nine again. He says, "Yeah, quote the seven year old was adamantly into it." End quote. Not gonna lie, Kings. Kind of sounds like reverse woke eight year old here. Well, except that this actually happens and it's in the video and you can watch it. Whereas the woke eight year old yeah. is almost always they don't exist. Yeah, they don't exist. Right. This is like the crying seven-year-old that had something taken from him and his mom hit. I could see that. Also, um, okay, the boy might not have been political. He probably just he could have just been crying because they took his hat away. But um, it's still the, the story is still there. So Richard Beer gives us four take on it. What do you mean? No, I'm just talking about the comment oh, the, received. The comment, yeah. Richard Beer gives us four nine nine. Well, there's always people that are trying to make sure that we don't like. I don't know, go too far the other way, whatever that means. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I, I see that a lot of a lot of concern trolling. I'm not saying that's what this is, but I've seen that. Um, Richard Beer gives us 499 and says only women can wear whatever they want with no fear of consequences. In fact, it's mandatory that women be allowed to wear whatever consequence free. Well, that's why they in, feminist T-shirt and then all bets are off. Yeah. Unless it's a uh, a non or slash anti feminist t shirt. All right. So uh, anyway, let me know what you guys think about this story in the comments. And now we're going to move on to the next one, which is still Mike J. We're going to be talking about schools, the the same institutions, by the way, that educated these nice young ladies and gave them the righteousness they needed to uh, basically attack a woman and her son. So Mike J, if you could, let's talk about Tennessee. We in Tennessee because there's only ten I see. Uh, nah, I'm sure we got one. Right now, uh, school district in Tennessee is facing a scrutiny after they asked parents to just you know sign a form forbidding them from listening to their children's online lectures. No big deal. Nothing. Nothing that they're trying to hide. You're happening here. Come on. Yeah. Don't look too closely at this. There's nothing to see here. Pay attention, no attention to the man behind the curtain. Laurie Cardoza Moore, founder of Proclaiming a Justice to the Nations and a mother of five, stated, quote, what are they trying to hide? What is the problem? Why won't they let us sit in? Obviously because they are teaching our children propaganda that they should not be teaching, quote. Cardoza Moore questioned what the repercussions of not signing or violating the order given by the waiver would inflict, stating, quote, does that mean someone from the school district is going to knock on my door and pull my kid out of my home, his virtual classroom? Or is it going to be my tax dollars that fund my child's public education? My child won't get to participate in education because of it, end quote. The district appears to have backed off on their initial plans. James Evans, a communications director for Rutherford County Schools, responded with the statements saying, quote, We are aware of the concern that has been raised about this distance learning letter that was sent to parents. We have issued new guidelines to principals that parents can assist their children during virtual group lessons with permission of the instructor but should refrain from sharing or recording any information about other students in the classroom, end quote. All right. So before we move on, this is in Tennessee. I want to know from people that are watching that are not American, uh, if you have kids or if you know people with kids and those kids are 
doing basically practicing social distancing uh, from schools by only engaging in online courses, either through you know Zoom meetings or whatever. Are are the parents of those children allowed to listen in or you know be involved with their child's curriculum, learn about whatever it is they're being taught? Uh, is that happening where you are too? Because I suspect it's not limited to Tennessee. I, I imagine, especially with public schools, it's uh, all over the country, and it's probably also not only in the in the United States, and it's probably also happening in other countries. But I'd like to know if you guys know much more about that. So, um, yeah. So I will give the floor to whoever wants to comment. Well, you know how when your your kids a certain age, you give them the talk. Um, and and everybody knows that means the sex talk. There's another talk that you have to give your kids before they go to school. Before, if you're going to put them in preschool, you give it to them before they go to preschool. And that is that if anything happens or is discussed, anything they see, anything they hear, you know, any anything basically makes them feel uncomfortable or scared or upset that they can always tell mom or dad that it's it's no matter what they're told about the situation uh, they can always tell mom or dad and in fact if another adult tells them not to tell mom or dad about something that is the most important thing to tell mom or dad because it's mom and dad's job to protect and it's mom and dad's job to see to the child's welfare and and it's mom and dad's right to have all of the information necessary to do that job. And there doesn't necessarily have to be anything to be scared of. And, you know, you reassure the child that this is a safe environment they're going into, that it's expected to be a safe environment and and that they they shouldn't be scared to go there, but that they should know, you know, that this is the situation. And you have the right to know who your child is going to school with. Because your child is going to play with those children and you're going to want to meet their families, right? You're going to want to meet the families of your child's friends and they're going to want, they should want to meet you. If your child is playing with another child and, and their parents don't want to meet you and don't want to know anything about you, um, you should be concerned. Uh, and this is normal. This is you, you look out for your kid. And so when a school comes along and says, you're not allowed to watch, you're not allowed to be involved, um, a parent should be very upset about that. And I have to wonder how many parents just signed that waiver and, and didn't consider that maybe there was a serious problem here. Because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I wouldn't have thought that very many parents would until I started talking to people about the mask mandates. And there is so much stuff that people have taken for granted because of who said it and not because they've looked into it and found it to be true and, and uh, valuable information on both sides of that debate, too. Not just not just pro or anti mask wearing and pro or anti mask mandate, which are not the same thing, because there's a lot of people that are pro mask wearing that are anti mask mandate. I'm one of them. Um, but uh, but in any case. There's a lot of people that have just gone along with what the people on their side of the political fence have said or the uh, the scientists they like have said. And uh, and they're willing to basically allow an infringement on a civil right because of that. Um, your right to freedom of movement is vital 
and it's not to be not to be messed with. And if you're told that you can't move around unless you cover your face, so you're not sexually assaulting someone by showing them your face. Uh, if you're told that you can't move around uh, because you're, you're, you're you haven't covered your face, that's that's pretty big. People think that it's a minor thing, but it's not. Um, and in, and when you go into the school situation, it's the same thing. People are like, well, you know, it's for the other kids' privacy. No, it's not. You know who your kids are going to school with when your kids sit in the classroom. You can walk into that classroom and see all of them. You're allowed to be in the school uh, to, to uh, check on your child. You're allowed to go and speak to the administration. And if you're not, there's a problem. Right now, mm -hmm. the other thing is when they say uh, sensitive information or private information, your your teacher, your child's teacher should not be asking your child private information in front of the other students anyway. So the whole thing is bullshit. And every parent should have been very upset about this. Uh, and I, I really it, I wonder how many were not. Well, well probably, I, I, probably a lot of the single moms that didn't have time to yeah. read the waiver and just signed it. I was going to say, I think I can see, uh, I can try and imagine uh, where they're coming from, or at least imagine the least charitable of, of their interpretations. If you're a teacher, you've, you've probably learned to resent uh, helicopter parents, the, uh, the overbearing mother, the Karens, basically, mm -hmm. who, who visit the school every day to complain uh, about something or other <laughs> they don't need to complain about. And that's probably what they're worried about in terms of the ones at home. But as that that involves it's someone in their own home <laughs> it's you can't really fight helicopter parents with helicopter teachers and i think that's what this is it's teachers who insist on on a helicopter form of teaching because they can't do a snowplow kind of teaching they, mm. they, they you can't you can't plow 30 30 different uh, holes in the snow in a classroom but you can try and helicopter everyone and this is helicopter teachers butting heads with helicopter parents and and no one's going to win that fight. Actually, I think the helicopter parents might at the, <laughs> at the end of the day. Well, it does. Depending I mean, on what the gov government forces us to do, of course. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, it does look like it's going that way because the, uh, you know, they, they, the, the waiver um, letter that went out, that was basically saying, oh, we're thinking about doing this. And the response was negative enough that um, they're, they pulled back and they're basically like, well, okay, we're going to try something else. So, this didn't go through, but it should still raise a lot of questions in parents that are interested in the ways in which their children are being educated. The problem is there is the, the challenge. And again, I don't this is not limited to Tennessee. This is just the example. The challenge is, is that if you have a population of at like a, a disproportionately high, if not outright majority number of children that are born in single parent households and when i say single parents i mean moms most of the time those the parent the mom is not going to or is most of the time unable to make time to get too involved in their child's education because they have all this other stuff going on in their own life and so they tend to just put their faith in the public school system to do its thing and educate their kid. And they'll basically say, you know, do you need my permission to send them on a field trip? Whatever. What do I need to sign? I don't even care where they're going. Do you need my permission to, you know, um, to 
uh, you know, to put them on this new program. I designed for this to, you know, whatever it is, right? Oh, you're doing the science fair, whatever, go ahead. Like, I don't have time. I'm basically stretched out. Maybe, you know, maybe she has a part-time job. Maybe she's just not that interested in being involved with her kid, but that is also another factor in it. And those children who don't have fathers in the home and don't have mothers that, that can make the time for them, they end up being raised by the school system, which is very uh, common, especially in minority uh, homes like, you know, Puerto Ricans, uh, Latinos, I guess, in general, and blacks. They end up in a situation where if their child's even going to school, they're being raised by the school system itself. And what you have to ask yourself is, what is the school system? What are the public schools teaching children that they don't want parents to know or be involved too much with what they're doing? Whereas when I was growing up, you know, PTA meetings were fairly common. Um, that was actually encouraged to sort of try to create community between the parents of students and the teachers. So, and my mom knew my teachers. And so that way she knew which teacher she liked, which one she didn't, whatever. And I think that we have lost that probably. Maybe there are places where it still happens. I imagine that's in smaller communities. And I also imagine that's also with not public schools, but charter schools, private schools, Catholic schools, whatever, but other kinds of schools that don't, that are not publicly funded, which is why, again, school choice is um, something that I think should be advocated for. At the very least, do it for your boys because they're not being serviced by the public school system anyway. But I think on principle, they are just plain better. And they're probably not going to try to keep secrets from you guys when it comes to what it is they're teaching your kids, especially if they don't really like they don't like the idea of you listening in on what's being taught. So there is also that. And lastly, I want to talk about a person uh, named Corey DeAngelis, who is a big advocate of school choice that talks a lot about it on his Twitter page. Um, he has a thread that <clears throat> basically where he revealed a breaking news story uh, just, just like a couple hours ago. He said, breaking three representatives just introduced the School Choice Now Act in the House of Representatives. The bill was introduced with bipartisan support. Um, so that means that it was by both, you know, Democrats and Republicans came together on this. And uh, that this, you know, he basically it shows some promise. And there is a link to the School Choice Now Act um, in his thread. It's it's Corey. DeAngelis or his uh, at Twitter is at DeAngelis Corey, Corey with an EY, by the way. And um, yeah, so that you could take a look at that as well, because, uh, you know, frankly, I'm just extremely skeptical, skeptical of most things that are publicly funded, in particular when it comes to things that um, are supposed to be taking care of men and boys. So prisons <laughs> you know, juvenile halls, uh, juvenile juvenile facilities, and schools. Well, and there so. is that good old school-to-prison pipeline that uh, mm -hmm. it existed prior to No Child Left Behind, but No Child Left Behind made it bigger and slipperier because uh, it incentivized getting rid of students who were difficult. Um, and one thing that, that I, I would point out with respect to this, um, this is something that your your representatives actually need to hear from you about. Uh, when you know, we talked earlier about being a kid involved in politics, 
What I learned when I was no longer allowed to go to protests was how to contact my representatives. And it got a lot easier once once, you know, there was an Internet to you can actually look online for how to contact your representatives and get the information uh, on on uh, government websites, how to contact your representatives and uh, tell them what you think of this. And the thing about um, school school choice is that it creates competition between all types of schools. And so parents will be forced to pay attention to what their what their students are getting out of their school. They'll be forced to evaluate if they want to want to find out uh, what's going on. One of the biggest complaints that I get back when I advocate for school choice, I've had a lot of teachers from inner city schools say, well, our biggest problem is that we don't have enough funding and the parents aren't aren't involved in their students' education. You know, and, and here we have a school trying to keep their care- parents from being involved in the child's education. But if you have if you're if you have to pick from a bunch of different schools instead of your child has to go to this one school, uh, you're you're more likely to say, well, what what about these schools? Which one's better? What am I getting out of this? And at the other end of it, the schools having to compete are going to strive to be the best school and give the children the best service uh, because they they want to keep those those butts in the seats um, the same way that uh, you know you're, you're going to try to to create the best service in any other uh, any other uh, organization whether it's a business um, that that sells to people whether it's a you know whether it's a an organization that that uh, you know provides services um, the type of organization I work for. Uh, they they strive for excellence because they don't want people to to take their. Um, I work with uh, intellectually disabled adults, so they don't want people to take their family members out of our program and and go to a different program because then we lose money, right? So we do everything we can to be the best and and be yeah. the best for, give the best service for the individuals that we're taking care of, uh, and that's that's across the board. Um, Competition fosters better service and better products and better everything uh, in, in that if you have to compete for the dollars of the consumer, uh, you have to prove to the consumer that you're more worth their dollars than somebody else is. Right? And yeah. so especially in a situation like this where the consumer isn't looking at um, looking for a cheaper version because they're getting a voucher essentially from the state that, that that money follows the student and they don't get that money back if they send the student to a cheaper school. So they're just going to be looking at quality. Yeah. All right. So um, let us know what you guys think about this story in the comments. Are you as creeped out by this as I am? Uh, let me know. And uh, yeah. Also, if you have kids, um, how are you educating them? Are you homeschooling them? Are, are they too young to go to school? If they're too young. Don't bother saying anything. But I'm saying if you have kids that are in school, elementary school or high school, uh, how is that going? All right. Let us know in the comments. Uh, let me read your super chats and then we'll move on to the next story. Darth Sonic 413 gives us 499 and says, I was talking about, quote, the kid was into politics bit, end quote. Obviously, the assault and the hat tossing happened. Sorry, should have been more clear. No, it's all right. It was, um, I get what you're saying. It was just, I guess it was kind of a weird comment. 
French Honey Badger gives us $5 and says, if it's bipartisan, it's very suspicious because that means Democrats are voting against the teachers' unions' desires or that unions are behind it. Possibly, um, my understanding is it's one Democrat and two Republicans uh, that that, um, Corey has listed. So maybe there's very little Democrat support. I don't know. But um, anyway, let us know what you do in contacting politicians then would be not just to say support this bill, but tell them what you want to see happen in the education system. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if you read if you can find the bill and read it and usually if you can find the name of it, is it online? So, uh, yeah. yeah, So if you look through look through uh, through his tweets and um, find it then then read the bill see what uh see what's in it and if you don't like something write to them about that you know and if mm-hmm. you do like something write to them about that as well but uh, the more communication they get from the public the better yep there you go so let us know what you think about that in the comments all right so we're going to go on to the next story of we're going to still be on the topic of schools but now we're going to go across the pond to uh Ireland. I don't know if that's how you say it, but we're going to go to Ireland because they're doing some interesting stuff over there with regards to education as education as well. So COVID-19 has impacted the world in an unprecedented way. One of the areas of life most affected by COVID has been academia, specifically in the realm of standardized testing. In Ireland, the Leaving Certificate Examination is a university matriculation examination administered as the final exam of the Irish secondary school system. So it's essentially a test that you take to see if you can like get into like what universities you could qualify for, right? You take at the end of, I I guess secondary school is high school. Is that right, Mike? Do you know? Or is it think so I, <laughs> okay that might be post 16 like 16 17 i forget I, I see okay and do you guys have like the leaving as a leaving certificate is that like a diploma so we call it a diploma but i don't know last uh, like when i was in school it was a gcse a general certificate of secondary education it might have changed since then i have no idea oh either that <laughs> or it's ireland i grew up in the uk which is a completely different country yes it's in ireland right exactly so it might be different Um, All right. But anyway, so originally because of COVID, the Ministry of Education and Skills were postponing the exam. In response to backlash against that, the ministry offered the option for students to accept calculated grades instead of sitting for postponed examinations that would be administered when it would be safe to do so. A controversy erupted over these calculated grades, with some schools being profiled to receive better scores and other receiving worse for their students. In addition, the calculation for scores would be inherently biased against male students, favoring giving female students higher grades. So they were giving female students higher grades because they're female and they needed a leg up. Irish Education Minister Norma Foley told or said that, quote, the use of demographic characteristics, including gender and socioeconomic status of the school, was inherent in the technical working group's design of the calculated grades model, end quote. Female students have typically performed better on the exit and examination in previous years. So let's just give them better scores. Oh, my God. A very, very Irish name. Don't don't Don. I'm just going to say Don. 
Donna O'Logari, I'm sorry, a member of Ireland's lower house of representatives, responded that, quote, while this may seem academic to some, the reality is that this will affect whether countless students get the course of their dreams or not. It will affect whether they fail a subject or not. This matters enormously, and students from disadvantaged backgrounds should not suffer because of past results. The minister needs to publish the model and outline what weighting is attached to social background, school results, and gender. We also need to now consider options as to how the problems that existed in Scotland and elsewhere can be eliminated. He also added that, quote, neither class nor gender should define whether a student gets an A or not, nor whether a student fails or not, end quote. Sounds like a bigot to me. Um, and yeah, that's the end of that story. So they're, uh, because they're not doing the, the just as a, a, to summarize, because they're not doing these exit examinations, uh, leave, they call them leaving examinations, uh, leaving certificate examinations, they're just making calculations, uh, averaging out the grades and deciding what a student is likely to get based on that. But they are, let's say, um, tipping the scales a bit, uh, both in favor of people who come from impoverished communities, but also girls. So they're giving girls generally higher scores than boys. And the reasoning behind it is, I guess, a combination of, well, women, uh, girls tend to score higher anyway. So we're going to give that to them. And also women need help because they're women. I wonder if they, so. uh, if they realize what they just revealed about that. Uh, among other things, that their public school system doesn't provide an equal education uh, to, to every student. Um, but they also revealed that they don't see people as individuals. They see them as demographics. And so there can't be exceptions to the rule. There can't be a kid who grows up in poverty, who is a minority, who is female, who has all of the disadvantages that they, they uh, attribute to those, those different groups and still excels on her own. Um, and, uh, you know, there can't be somebody who grows up in exactly the opposite situation that 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 actually is a dipshit and and doesn't do their classwork and doesn't apply themselves in class and and doesn't perform and and uh maybe doesn't earn a good grade and if you're if you ever talk to uh, especially older like retired school teachers you'll find that there is a great variety of performance among their students individually that has absolutely nothing to do with who they are or where they came from. Students that hunger for knowledge are going to hunger for knowledge no matter where they came from. And students that hate school are going to do worse and, and not apply themselves because they hate it. They don't want to do it. And it, it's not going to matter where they came from. And yeah, there's going to be things that affect students performance. Uh, but that, that indicates that there needs to be reform in the school system. And then the other thing that they revealed um, is that these tests don't measure the student's capabilities. And they don't measure the student's potential. Uh, and, and they don't give information that should be given or should be used, I should say, to determine the student's academic future. They, they're just useless. So they should be eliminated. And when I was, when I was in high school, um, 
they came out with, you're going to have to take a test to get your diploma now. Besides your final exam for each class, you're going to have to take an overall test or you can't, can't be considered a graduate. You can't get your diploma. Uh, that was that was new when I was in school. And if I remember right, my class took the test, but we didn't have to. We were grandfathered. Uh, so we it didn't we, we were allowed to to get our diplomas, even if we didn't do well on the test and the test didn't affect our standing for uh, university. And there were a bunch of us at the time who were mad because we did well on the test and we didn't get any benefit from it. Uh, and we were mad until we heard from students who did poorly on the test um, and were, you know, they were they were upset that the test existed. And it wasn't necessarily over over stuff that we normally um, emphasized in school. And, and there were aspects of it that were kind of like a citizenship test. Um, so there were some things that we all had down pretty well. And then there were some things that that there were students that had difficulty with that did well in school. Uh, they just didn't do well taking standardized tests. So this whole thing is just, it's a, this is a clusterfuck. Um, and I don't, I, I don't know if people are going to get everything that this revealed or not, but uh, I, I hope that there are people in Ireland that are looking at this going, why are we determining these students' entire future based on one standardized test? Yeah. And also tipping the scales due to gender and yeah, why are we looking factors. at them as demographics instead of people? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, does anyone else have any thoughts on this story? It's uh, Leary, by the way, Donna O'Leary. That's all it was. Oh, what? <laughs> it doesn't look anything like that. I know. Donna, it's like, look, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put the word in the chat. It looks Tell like it looks like Don Chad O, o <laughs> Lauer. That's the weird thing about about names in Irish Gaelic. You don't actually have to pronounce any of the chs. They just reduced it just to that's Donna O'Leary. That's all. It Donna is. Donna O'Leary. <laughs> just write that. Well, and if this person has family in the United States, I'll bet their name is spelled differently because when they got to Ellis Island, the people at Ellis Island went, I I, I can't do this. I just Yeah, I, can I don't you understand. write this down? How the <laughs> hell do you say that? Uh, Donna O'Leary. What? Why don't you just here? Let me just get rid of all these. I guess somebody just wanted to put the word Chad in there. I, I get that. I get that. Um, all right. So <laughs> it's a way for white people to still be white, but not sound like a colonialist. Look, I, I'm, I'm, as, I'm as white as you can possibly get. You can't even see me on a white beach when I'm trying to sunbathe and stuff. But I, I'm not an imperialist to say I'm from Ireland. <laughs> of course, if they're on a beach and you wait a little while, they'll turn red. So you'll see them. Um, all right. But anyway. So let us know what you guys think about this story in the comments. Are you in Ireland? Did you know about this? Uh, do you know people with kids? Do they know about this? Let us know in the comments. All right, so we're gonna move on to the next story. Oh, this one's crazy. This is about college. And um, I think then do, uh, yeah. So this story, um, Massachusetts Democrat Party members allegedly helped college Democrat group falsely accuse political candidate of sexual misconduct. The Massachusetts State Democratic Party claimed it couldn't comment on vague sexual misconduct allegations against congressional candidate and Holyoke mayor. That's the name of the town, Holyoke. Alex Morse pictured here. 
But as The Intercept reported, the state party was working behind the scenes to launch the allegations against Morse, according to sources who spoke to the outlet, as well as messages and call records. The documents show that the Massachusetts Democratic Party's executive director, Veronica Martinez, and chair, no relation, and chair Gus Bickford connected the students with attorneys. Among them was the powerful state party figure and attorney, Jim Roosevelt, who worked with the college group on a letter alleging Morris behaved inappropriately, the outlet reported. As the Daily Wire had previously reported, Morris was accused of having sexual contact with students at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. So accused of sexual contact, okay, where he teaches political science. The only problem is that Morris has not been accused of either sexual harassment or sexual assault or anything that constitutes an actual crime. And UMass Amherst policy merely forbids relationships between faculty and students they actually teach, advise, or supervise. Morse has not been accused of carrying on a relationship inappropriate under the university's own policies. So didn't break the law. That, that's assuming this is true, but nonetheless did not break the law in terms of it being a, uh, you know, case of sexual assault and also did not break policy in, in the case of, say, sexual harassment or, uh, or having an re improper relationship inappropriately. The college Democrats claim Morse would use their events to meet students and contact them on social media, though Morse said he only reached out to a student once following that event. In that incident, Morse and the student had previously connected on the dating app Tinder, but had never met in person. That student shared screenshots of this conversation with Morse, which showed no inappropriate discussions. The student who orchestrated the attack on Morse had told numerous other students that he expected to get an internship with incumbent representative Richard Neal. Yes, the, the student and Morse are men. On August 13th, Politico reported that Massachusetts Democratic Party Chair Bickford had called for an investigation into the conduct of college Democrats who leveled the allegations against Morse. But it appears the state party helped orchestrate the dubious allegations against him. The Intercept reported that the party's executive di director, Martinez, repeatedly reached out to the college Democrats since the last, since at least late July and took, quote, an active role in directing the group on the strategy behind the letter before and after its release, including coaching on how to interact with the press, end quote. Also on August 13th, the College Democrats apologized to Morse, claiming that they wrote the letter, quote, on the advice of legal counsel, end quote, i.e. they got busted. This week, The Intercept revealed that not only did Martinez coordinate with the students, she also told them to delete records of their conversations with them. Martinez was accused of verbally telling students to delete the records, but The Intercept obtained call records that, quote, line up with the timing and other statements from Martinez on the timeline and her involvement have also been proven wrong by documents reviewed by The Intercept, end quote. Martinez denies telling the students to destroy any communications. Those communications were not properly deleted as The Intercept used them as evidence for their multiple stories on the Morse situation. So, do you guys follow all that, that that's happened there? Or was that just like, bleh, just glaze over? Um, basically, in short, there was this college professor. He worked in political science and 
these um, this college democratic group, like a college club, you know, like college Democrats or something, they essentially conspired to falsely accuse him of sexual mus- misconduct so, so they can get him canceled. I can only assume because he is a running Republican or he disagrees with them on something. And the actual Democratic Party members in Massachusetts helped him or helped the students to get this guy canceled. They conspired and they were caught. So, and they were trying to use sexual misconduct to nail him. Well, and if it's true that um, that this, this uh, Martinez, the executive director, yeah, if she- No relation. Uh, no, I know. If she, uh, <laughs> now I was looking for what her, her actual title was, executive director. But if, if the executive director um, the, the Massachusetts Democrat Party's exec, executive director, so the party's executive director, actually mm-hmm. told these guys to delete communications to hide their activities. Uh, that's that's really bad. Um, that's sketchy as shit. Yeah, because yeah. obviously if they're – that's a sign that they're getting their stories to line up with each other, getting their stories straight, which you mm-hmm. need to do if your story is false. Yep. That's, you know, it, it's it's not bad to discuss, you know, things that you have in common in in your experiences with someone when you're dealing with a, a group action against somebody who has done something wrong. But if you're having to delete communications, um, then then you get this. Uh, this situation where you're you're you've got something to hide, you know, mm-hmm. and. Obviously, uh, you you don't want that in any case, but it's just it's just yet another example of the Democrat Party being the anti-due process party, you know. And and well, there's going to be people that are going to come out and say, well, well, but the Republicans, the Republican Party um, has had anti-due process moments uh, where they attack an individual, but when you look at the legislation. And you look at the um, actions where there's been people standing up uh, in in national politics and state politics for due process in cases where somebody is absolutely hated by by half the public. Uh, it's it's the Republican Party. It's never the Democrats. Yeah. Like they'll say due process for us, but not for you. But but they won't make legislative changes you know, for, for pro due process. In fact, they, they oppose them. Uh, and this is just another nail in that coffin. Yeah. People are saying he looks like uh, Zuckerberg. I, this is like totally on the side, but he looks like Jason Fleming to me. Do you guys know who Jason Fleming is as an actor? Look him up. I know the name. <laughs> One of those guys that's been in like, he was in everything. Oh God! He was—he's one of those guys that's in everything. He was in a bunch of stuff. Um, I know him from the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh, Solomon Kane. He was in Snatch. He had like this background role. He was in Locks, Talking to Smoking Barrels. He's in a bunch of stuff. So he kind of looks like this guy. Anyway, he's like this. I think he's an Irish dude too. His name is, which is weird because y we just did a spelled with a Y. Yes, oh, okay. It's Fleming with a Y. Anyway. Um, yeah, I think that you basically, you know, nailed it. I mean, there isn't much else to say except that this is sort of similar to 
the stuff that was going on in my mind in terms of what they were trying to do. It's the same stuff that they were trying to do to Brett Kavanaugh, except that this is not quite as high profile because it's like a, it's like, a, you know, at a lower scale. But I do think that it is um, deserving of this kind of attention. But my I think that my main point is that if you have a uh, a culture that has a tendency to that they, they, they have a tendency to respond emotionally to sexual impropriety allegations against men in particular men that are either in positions of you know um executive uh, religious political power it has it can have a tremendous impact and people it seems are because the thing is the goal of this is this this is what i think i think first off i think people are inclined to believe it when they hear it but the goal of this is not actually to get him fired, per se. The goal of this is to destroy him reputationally. So if he's accused of this thing and he's like running for political office, for example, you don't actually have to prove it true. You just get have to get enough people to believe that he's guilty so they don't vote for him. And that's that's all that you have to do. That was what Brett, the whole Brett Kavanaugh thing was political. They basically just... You know, they didn't want him to get the job. They wanted him looked at as bad as possible. And the best part is, is that because that, you know, Brett Kavanaugh and the people who support him did not have the balls to say the bitch is lying because on the one hand, they didn't know 100 percent for sure. And also they knew it was bad, you know, for the optics to say that. So they just have to fight against it and try to prove innocence or at the very least, like, you know, make sure that the, you put the the onus of proving guilt on your opponents. But it, it's irrelevant because to this very day, you can go and ask an, an, a normie about Brett Kavanaugh and they'll remember that there was this massive trial regarding him supposedly raping someone. And that's all they'll remember. So that's what he's going to be known for, even if it isn't true, because people don't forget the allegations, you know, they almost forget that they they do forget whether or not they come true. But the point is to destroy his reputation. So it, that's why they can just say, "Oh yeah, he was uh, sexually in, inappropriate," right? But he didn't break any laws. He didn't commit any crimes. He didn't even break any rules by the university, and nothing happened. He had a back and forth with somebody on Tinder, and that was the end of it. They didn't even meet in person. And that's what they're leveling against him. But all of those details that I just brought forward about what he actually did and did not do are irrelevant because the only thing that the common person is going to know or remember, probably because of how it will be reported on and also how his political opponents will discuss him and also how the people in his college that he works at are going to talk about him as well because he probably faces a lot of opposition there which is why the college democrats were trying to ruin his reputation as as far as the way they are going to communicate this it's only going to be he was accused of this thing or even or worse he did this thing right so if he's found innocent or if there if it goes nowhere it doesn't matter because people are just going to remember oh that's the guy that was accused of that crime it's like like i said with brett kavanaugh it's irrelevant that you know Christine Blasey Ford was unable to prove anything because normies are going to think, 
oh, well, he was accused of this thing. And feminists are going to think he got away with this thing. And they're going to repeat that lie over and over and over. And it's it's everywhere. Brock Turner is still considered to be some like serial rapist that just got away with it. Donald Trump is still considered to be a serial rapist that just got away with it because the rumors and the narrative and these and these whisper campaigns, they have tremendous power and people are not, um, I would say, trained, I guess, or or able to just say, if you can't prove it, it's bunk because it's just the narrative is so strong. It's hard for people to like break through the bullshit and say, well, you haven't proven anything, so I don't care what you have to say because it just gets repeated over and over and over and over. And this is why people believe this shit. And they'll just keep, and a lot of these people know they're lying. They don't care. This is about like- I don't don't even know about that. There's probably uh, a few sociopaths in there that are actually, that know they're lying and conspire just to do that. But I I think it largely happens because there's a certain emotional state they can hit where, Mm -hmm. where they can start to believe he's a, which a twenty-first century equivalent, a sexual deviant of a particular, yeah. this, and there's this sort of groupthink and confirmation bias that goes on, even in uh, these allotted intellectual spaces, political spaces, because it's been learned unquestioningly. Uh, almost, it's pretty much a faith. You can't reason someone out of a belief that they didn't arrive at through reason. So there's this mental block that just gets in the way. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. I agree. I, I, what I said, there are some who, who know they're lying. I, I think that they don't represent many. I think there are people who just, you know, it's like I, I remember Joe Rogan had Dr. Phil on once, and it was shortly after, right after the Jesse Smollett thing, like blew open. And Joe Rogan was asking Dr. Phil, like, why would Jesse Smollett do that? Why would he try to? construct a scenario where um you know he essentially sets up a a a racist hate crime to be done to him so that he can go and make the claim that this is happening and dr phil gave an interesting answer which i think actually applies to a lot of um these people who do these like hoaxes as well as people who try to frame other people um i don't know that that's the case here what i'm about to say Uh, I think that this might just be politically motivated. It's just people trying to like take somebody down so that they can beat him. But um, in the, the, to relate to people who have a tendency to want to believe this, even if it's, even if the, the actual incident they're looking at is untrue. Dr. Phil said that there are people and Jesse Smollett might be one of them that while they are telling a lie, they believe that these things actually do happen somewhere. They're they're convinced that these incidents occur, but because they don't experience it themselves, they feel powerless in drawing attention to it. So they construct it so that they can give it as an example. It's like they believe that it really happens somewhere. And so they're just dramatizing it or they're doing a a reconstruction of gullible parents. That's what it is. They had probably a gullible parent. Yeah. His kids learn how to lie as soon as they learn how to speak. And if they get get away with their lies every time, they're like, the world I create, I'm a god in this world. 
<laughs> yeah. 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 No, and I think that in the case of Jesse Smollett, it's it was probably uh, mostly a, a career move to get attention, to get sympathy. Uh, sympathy is powerful. Same thing with the with the uh, NASCAR guy. I forgot his name already. He's like Bubba something. But um, but there are plenty of people well, who I think do this. I mean, to be to be um, to be fair, though, and with the case of uh, Bubba Wallace, that wasn't actually like fabricated. That was a, a claim everyone yeah. ran with, and then upon further checking, it's like, oh, that was that was always there. It wasn't a racial thing. He just latched onto it and and basically rode the wave of everyone else making it a racial. Yeah, I feel I I kind of felt like triple down, tripled down in Yeah, I kind of felt like watching that uh, pan out that it was a knee jerk reaction initially, but then he felt like he had to defend it because he didn't want it to turn into um, this was just well, he did more, false, you know, allegation. He did more than simply defend it. Yeah, he, he, he basically down. called everyone out there who was doubting it. Oh, you're just a bunch of ignorant rednecks. Right, but then when the when it came out that it had been there all along and everything, he he came out and said well oh, yeah. okay i was wrong that was a mistake uh, but these things do happen which is which he i think he was right to to come out and do that and um i i do i just watching him react to that and watching nascar react to that and everything i really think it was initially a knee-jerk reaction um and if i remember right he didn't see it first somebody else saw it first and then told him about it um, yeah, no, he never saw it himself so it it probably he probably felt like you know he was standing by somebody that he trusted. And so it was, it's not really like with Smollett, I think that was, that was, that was contrived and manipulative and everything. And it, it was much more deliberate looking action. Um, yeah. Among- well, he staged the entire thing. He paid two other guys. Yeah. He, he went to a lot of theatrical did, production. And, did you guys and- hear, did you guys hear about the mayor, the female mayor that did that? She faked her own kidnapping. Oh my god! It was really recent. Really recent. She had like a. It was like a. It was like this, dude. This this woman. I I forgot what state it was. It was a southern state, like Georgia, Alabama, or something. I I don't remember. But she was a mayor, and I don't know if it's because there was an election coming up or what. But she faked her own kidnapping. She was this. She was a huge black chick, right? This huge ham beast of a woman. Yes, like this. Big, oh, big, God, I very unattractive woman, and she faked. And basically, there was a camera in the car, like a dash cam, and uh, like, and this guy is like somebody off screen is like, you know, breaking things and so, like Sabrina, Sabrina and, Belcher. Oh God, that's Sabrina. Yes, her last name is straight up Belcher. She's like a hut and with an afro. Um, and uh, there you go. yeah, no, I'm serious. Just put a, 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 a an afro on job of the hut. That's her. But um, yeah, my I'm just it's another example of the same thing. She was she was she like literally like faked her own kidnapping. I don't know why anyone would kidnap that um, so that she can get sympathy points. So see, this is the thing among victim identitarian groups, and that's not not just one group, not just feminists, not just uh, oh anybody can do victim it. identitarian groups. Victim status is social cred. Right. Being victimized yeah. is it gives you it's like giving you a leg up in the progressive stack. Um, and it it is social cred as long as you are not actively um, opposing those groups like they don't extend that social cred, say, to um, to people who have been victimized in the way that they talk about 
uh, but who who say, well, but that I don't see my situation as the norm in society and it hasn't ruined my life. You know, as soon as you get into that attitude, then you lose your victim cred and they they will actually abuse you for for bringing it up. But in in those groups, as soon as you have uh, as soon as you have some sort of status like that, um, there's there's almost a ritual they have to enact around you. And uh, there's a level of treatment that changes and, and all kinds of things. They have to listen to you and they have to do this. and They have to do that. So there's a degree of power that comes with it, a significant amount. Wow. And uh, so it's it's not surprising that there are people who subscribe to those ideologies who desperately want that status. They want that status because it is a it ends up being a socially privileged status. Uh, even though actually being in the real situation of having been victimized sucks terribly, um, they'll mm-hmm. fake being in that situation because it gets them it gets them a privileged treatment in their their social circle, their social group. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it again, gullible parents. Mm-hmm. Kids kids don't just learn to lie as soon as they can talk; they learn to lie before. Or they can talk. Babies can fake cry. They've been witnessed doing this. They 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 cry when, when nothing's wrong. When there's no one in the room, <laughs> they they learn not well, to that's, cry. That's someone that's is. one of the first things uh, a child would do if they're they're running around and they fall down. They'll look around first. Yeah, they'll then, see if anything's watching them. Then the waterworks will turn on. As long as he's got one pair of eyes on him. Yeah. It's like a switch. And, and you, you'll notice them forget which leg they're suppo- is supposed to be throbbing. It's adorable. But again, if it keeps working, if the parents keep falling for it, yeah. then they're going to go go through life thinking every time I play the victim, and they don't even know they're doing it because they've been doing it since long before they had a word for it. You know? Oh yeah, and you can also teach a child to panic by by freaking out over every little thing that yes. happens. Then they never learn to differentiate that's, between the small stuff and the big stuff, and that's how you create a snowflake. That's another life hack, right there. By the way, never react to how badly your child is injured because they'll feed off of your emotion. Yeah. So well, even if they're missing a limb, if they're sitting there and they're just happy and and they're like, "Oh, that that was something," eh? and it's like, "Yeah, yeah, let's we're gonna we're gonna drive to the hospital, champ." Also, if your child is old enough to answer questions, does this hurt? Yes, no. Your child is old enough to have it explained to them that you need to know the difference between big hurts and little hurts because you don't want to get to the hospital and find out they only had a little hurt. And you don't want to not go to the the hospital because they cry that much over everything and then find out they actually had a big hurt. Uh, You know, you, you, you teach them. Um, that that they need to differentiate, and you can start teaching that as early as two years old. Like that's that's a really big thing. A lot of parents fail at, um, you know, not necessarily yeah. uh, intentionally or or you know, it's it's rips your heart out when your kid cries. Uh, so a lot of parents, it's really really rough for them to to teach the child to differentiate like that. Um, but it's essential to the child's welfare for them to be able to judge how big an injury or how bad an injury is and, and uh, whether they should really be upset about this or not. 
So I just want to give a little bit more info about this because it's really fucking funny and I didn't know this until now. Uh, Andy No tweeted about her and he, I didn't know this, but apparently, okay, so she is a Sumter, South Carolina woman. So it was in South, I knew it was a Southern state, but I just didn't know which one. And rapper, she's also a musician Mm -hmm. and rapper who was running to be the city's first black female mayor has been arrested for allegedly faking her own kidnapping and beating for sympathy votes. First and her second, name, let's face it. Her, her first name, Sabrina, her full name is Sabrina Princess Belcher. <laughs> Princess Belcher Princess, sounds Princess, like a, Princess Belcher. <laughs> like a Tales from the Floating Vagabond character. Oh my God. <laughs> I feel like Shrek 4 is coming on. <laughs> she apparently she thought she had the Escher effect, but she doesn't. And only wow. other people who have played Tales for the Floating Vagabond are going to get that. You'll never, you can't make this shit up. Only in 2020. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah. Uh, and also, if you go to the postmillennial.com, look up this story, you can listen to her music. She has uh, her one of her hits, singles, I guess. Uh, it's called uh, Pray For Me by uh, Bree, Bree Wide. Wyatt featuring Blaze. I don't know if she's Bree Wide. I'm not. But, uh, it is not what wide. the kids would call a banger. No, it's it is not. not. One, what, one, one mention of a wet ass camel toe, and I'm switching that shit off. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, we've gone way over time, so we're not going to have time to get into the uh, last show. I will just briefly show you guys essentially this is the headline. Warner Media investigating Joss Whedon amid Justice League actors' abuse claims. So, basically, Ray Fisher, who played Cyborg in the Justice League film, has put a bunch of criticisms and accusations against not just Joss Whedon, but several of the, um, like, say, major players. Jeff Johns, John Berg, and uh, Joss Whedon grossly abused their power during the uncertainty of AT&T's merger with Time Warner. Um, and he had a lot to say on it. And I guess, uh, yeah, Joss, Joss Whedon is being investigated by Warner Media now as a result of that. Because we all know that male feminists are the best people towards both women and now minorities. And Joss Whedon is a model citizen in that respect. But... I'm afraid I won't be able to delve too deep into that because it is 648. So, but I would like to get your guys' thoughts on that as well as uh, Princess Belcher and other stories that we discussed on today's show. Um, And let us know in the comments while we go into this patron-only show and look at this Metro article entitled, Young Men Are Turning on Feminism. It's what the far right wants. It's part of their plan. It's 4D chess. You know, it's, it's, it's like... It's Richard Spencer uh, uh, promoting or supporting Joe Biden. I know why he's doing it. I figured this out. To get people talking about him and it worked? No, he's doing it because he knows if he... Here's the thing. If Richard Spencer votes for Joe Biden, he becomes black. If Richard Spencer becomes black, then he gets to say the N-word. So this is all, this is his 4D chess move. This is a pro gamer move right here. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to vote and become black. It's true. That's what he needs. That's what he always wanted to do. Anyway. um, He's going to skip right over Octoroon and become. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) He's going to skip right past that and African. But um, anyway, 
So um, we're going to head into the after show and read this article. If you guys want to be a part of that, you have to become a Badger by going to feedthebadger.com and setting up a monthly subscription. $5, $5 will get you into the Discord, and you'll be able to hang out with us in the chat if you give more. Or you could just watch it on YouTube and comment in the chat like you are right now. So uh, if you guys like this video, please smash like, subscribe if you're not already subscribed, hit the bell for notifications, and leave us a comment. Let us know what you guys think about any and or all of the stories we discussed today. I want to thank uh, Hannah, Mike J, and Dr. Randomerkamp for joining me on this episode of HBR News. I also want to thank Andrew and Lindsay for helping me with the write-ups. And um, yeah, and I, I want to thank you guys especially for watching. So we will, um, I guess that's it for me. <laughs> I don't, I messed up my normal outro shit. So I guess I'll just talk to you guys in the next one. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.